Welcome to The Read Along. A mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book. One chapter chapter at at a time. This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, your source for curiosity-driven coverage of our city cultivated by the community. Taproot has launched a service to answer your questions about Edmonton's response to the COVID-19 pandemic and our experience of it. The idea is to help you understand this complex and quickly evolving topic with succinct, well-sourced answers to any questions you might have. You can find the COVID-19 microsite at taprootedmonton.ca. Nita cracked uh, a drink out of the mini fridge. And I said tea. Yeah, we, um, I mean, like our recording studio, as we've previously established, is our game room. And in our basement. In our basement. It is effectively half of our basement is our game room, um, which sounds perhaps more, much more luxurious than it really is. <laughs> it's pretty cramped in here. It's not a big basement. <laughs> but we do have a little mini fridge in the corner, and there are usually a, a bunch of beverages in there. And Nita generally keeps some manner of podcast refreshment on hand but uh she didn't iced tea. it's iced tea i said but we didn't have any open bottles of anything in there this particular time yeah i've been drinking through our supply of gatorade because for some reason we had a bunch of gatorade well we earlier in the year had a bout of stomach flu in the house this was pre, right. pre-covid and so we were distributed a supply of gatorade to help replenish our electrolytes that's right i remember and that left us with a great deal of extra Gatorade. Yeah, that... I can only down so much Gatorade when I'm sick. Yeah. Anita slowly worked her way through that while we've been recording, but uh, we have run out. And so now she's working her way through some very old fruit punch. It's not very old. It's And it's iced tea. I keep telling you. Now, when you say it's not very old, I guarantee that that's been in the mini fridge for a year or more. Is that considered very old for a can of something? I would say yes. Oh. Well, it's still good. Fair enough. It's not gross. It was brought by one of our friends some time ago for uh, regular use during gaming. But, of course, we haven't had any friends over for gaming in forever because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Also, so, we have small children. Yeah. And scheduling a game night gets harder. <laughs> Yeah. So there are some beverages in the mini fridge that were brought here by others that we just never got around to drinking, which Nita is now slowly working her way through. It's part of my podcast mission. Indeed. Another part of your podcast mission is to talk about the book. <laughs> and so what better way to segue into that than with uh, a little recap of chapter 19 of Let's our do it. Uh, Beth arrived in Florida, crashed at the hotel for most of an afternoon slash evening. Recovered from her jet lag. Yeah, woke up pretty early in the morning and then made her way to Versa Nova in order to catch Lewis Braid on his way to work. Overheard a very strange phone call. Kind of sort of stalked Lewis a little bit. Yeah. Got through security in a way that Anita called very suspicious. And then made her way up to meet Lewis on the fifth floor. And after that meeting, we were left hanging into Chapter 20 of Perfect Little Children by Sophie Hanna. do this chapter a little bit differently because of how it is the benefit of our podcast 
is that presumably you've already read the chapter by the time you come to this episode. Well, otherwise we're talking a lot of nonsense. Yeah. So you know what happens, and we generally try to work through the chapter in a, in a chronological way and discuss it kind of point by point, but Nita wants to kind of start at the end well, of the chapter. It's not so much that I want to start at the end. It's that I want to discuss the whole chapter in context, and because there's a little twist at the end, we have to take that into account. So the twist at the end, spoilers, <coughs> is that Lewis, <coughs> Lewis gives it up. He admits that, yes, it was Flora that Beth saw in the parking lot, and she was scared, and she turned and ran. Yes. So Lewis confirms that, yes, this is a real true thing, that actually happened. Up until that point, Lewis had been deflecting. He'd been plausibly denying everything. Yes, exactly. And deflecting things that he obviously didn't want to talk about. So uh, instead of talking about how Beth looks completely off her nut, grilling him with questions, let's talk about it with that in mind, that she's not lost it, that they are in fact keeping something from her. And now we can start at the beginning. Well, the first thing Beth notices on Lewis's desk is a photo of the OG T&D. <laughs> That's a lot of initials. Eating lobsters at a beachfront restaurant with him. And notably, no Flora, no Georgina in the photo. So Beth asks about that. Like, what's up with the photo? You don't have a picture with your entire family in it? And Lewis cracks a joke about how if she spots... Flora or Georgina in the photo to let him know because he's never seen them yeah, in that photo. Like, no, they're not in that photo. Do you see them? That's crazy. He also kind of lightheartedly asks, do you want to cut that photo up too? Because <laughs> like, I've got others. It's yeah, fine if you do. It's fine. If you Here's feel the scissors. urge, <laughs> if you feel the urge, just go nuts. Lewis explains ultimately that he actually rotates the photo on his desk. So this week it's Thomas and Emily. Next week it might be Flora. He just, he switches them out. And, I'm not sure he's being serious here, though. Well, he also mentions that he does the same at home, that he has photos of his colleagues at his presumably home office. Yeah. See, that's why I think he's not entirely being serious with Beth here. I think it's just, he's just taking it to the nth degree. It's like, oh, yeah, of course I don't have pictures of Flora. I rotate them out. Later I'll have, you know, pictures of Flora doing something outrageous. I do the same thing at home. I have pictures of my colleagues. I like to keep my life mixed up. Well... Taking a look at this from the context of Lewis knowing how the chapter ends, I would say that this is plausible. Mm, okay. Because it is plausible that he does rotate the picture. He might, he obviously doesn't have pictures of Georgina. He might not have pictures of Flora, but it's plausible he rotates the picture. That's plausible. Certainly Beth finds it a convincing excuse. I do think he's joking about having pictures of his colleagues at home. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. I like most of the people I work with. I don't want pictures of them on my mantle. It's a little creepy. But you're not their boss, and you don't work part of the time from home, presumably. I can guarantee you my boss does not have a picture of me in her house. But Lewis, as well, from what we've seen of his business and what we've seen of his receptionists and what we know about him being into, like, life gurus now, has this kind of new age approach to business. He might legitimately have photos of colleagues at home eh. as part of his whole, like business plan his whole like green new age frou-frou business plan i wish people could see the gesture you make as you talk about that 
Lewis asks if they're going to start swapping their secrets now, handing her her mint tea. And Beth offers to go first. I love, I love this. Secrets over tea. Indeed. She offers up the reason why she cut Georgina out of that final Christmas card. This is the deep, dark secret that she was afraid to even admit to herself for the first couple chapters of the novel. Which is why it's so amusing that it, Lewis is just, he does not care. Like, it's nope. just whatever. Yep. He like, thinks it's funny, if anything. Whatever. It was a photograph. Yeah. Like, what does it matter? It was a piece of paper. She does note Lewis shows no significant reaction to the mention of Georgina. He also, as mentioned, not upset about the photo. As he points out, it's it was just a piece of paper. It's not like you harmed my infant daughter. Right? Exactly. Lewis is also kind of intrigued when Beth says that she felt there was a rift growing between her and Flora, saying that, like, he's surprised that he missed it at the time. He just assumed that maybe Beth and Dom were kind of envious of them. And Beth is like, no, no. This was never about the money. I think there was something else. And she kind of asks Lewis pointedly at this juncture, like, I think you know what it is, too. And I think now is the time for you to maybe share your secret. Yeah, this is where Beth starts with the snowball of questions. Just bigger and bigger and scarier and scarier. Well. At Lewis. Let's take a moment and step back, as you want to do. Yes. Knowing what we know from the end of the chapter. I find this plausible as well. That Lewis recognizes that there obviously is a rift between Flora and Beth, mm -hmm. but I believe him when he says, I didn't see what was going on at the time. And I thought maybe it was about money. I kind of believe him there. Well, yeah. Dom I don't know didn't if it's. I not either, so that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know if it's a total deflection. I think that that might be a little bit of earnestness in there. Like I said, this is the start of the snowball. Yeah. Uh, Lewis correctly says, okay, you're here because you've seen Flora in England. But at this juncture, he doubles down saying, you can't have Flora is here at home in Florida, which we can presume is true. Yeah. Uh, that she is in Florida. But we also know that that's a lie because she has been in England. Well, yeah, he gives it up a little later. Yeah. But although, certainly although, at this moment, yes, she's in Florida. We know for sure that she is in Florida by the end of the chapter. Yeah. Beth asks if, okay, well, if I didn't see Flora, did I see Jeanette Cater? And Lewis is like, yeah, I think I remember selling the house to a guy named Kevin Cater. And he actually says he doesn't remember working with Kevin Cater at SEMA. He's like, there was a lot of people working there. I, I might have. Mm -hmm. Which is perfectly plausible. Again, plausible. Mm -hmm. well, um, I agree with you there. Absolutely plausible. I don't know if I buy that. If something is going on in England and Flora's been in England and Kevin Cater is in the know about it, then I would say that Lewis knows who Kevin Cater is. Yeah, probably. But again, his excuse that he doesn't necessarily remember the name of the person he sold his house to 12 years ago. Yeah. Plausible. Plausible. It's a good it's a good defense slash deflection. It's a plausible lie, but I suspect in this case it is a lie. Mm, I agree with you. Beth asks if he has a current photo of Georgina and Flora that he could show her. And Lewis says, no, I don't. And this is the point where he fesses up. As Beth likely would have found out while scouring the UK, he says. And, and he actually even correctly assumes that she learned it from Flora's parents that Georgina died some years ago. Yes. He admits, yes, I was lying about it, but I didn't want to discuss such a deeply personal matter with someone who hasn't been in my life in 12 years. So you'll forgive me if I was being a little cagey about that. Yeah. And again, perfectly plausible. Certainly Beth believes that at this point. That yeah. is a reasonable excuse. But she also doesn't completely believe it. She's still not convinced Georgina's actually dead, remember? Right. She's, and, she doesn't think she's getting the whole truth. Yeah, she believes that this might be him fessing up a little in order to obscure something bigger. 
give her a little bit to kind of throw her off the trail. Yeah, exactly. She doesn't think she's being lied to, but she doesn't think she's getting the whole truth either. Yeah. She kind of has an interesting little sidebar here where she surmises if Lewis really had nothing to hide, surely he wouldn't be answering all of these questions, trying to give me some sense of closure here. He'd just, he'd just get irate and tell me to leave. And I thought that was kind of funny because if he had immediately gotten irate and told her to leave, I guarantee that she would have been like, aha, that's proof he has something to hide. Exactly. So it's kind of a damned if he did or damned if he didn't situation with Beth at this moment. It's very much Beth's MO, right? She... She may not know exactly what it is, but she knows what she's going after. And anything that doesn't satisfy her is clearly wrong. Yeah. Beth gives her condolences over Georgina. And Lewis says, yeah, I'm sorry about that too. And the game isn't turning out as fun as I was hoping that it would. And Beth is like, why don't you just tell me everything? And Lewis is like, I have told you everything. There's nothing else to tell. Mm-hmm. And this is where the snowball gets a little bigger. And Lewis starts to get... A little riled up. A little. He's building. He keeps things tamped down for most of this chapter, mm-hmm. but he slowly gets more and more flustered and irate yeah. as she pesters him more and more. And here's where he turns up his defense. A little bit. As well. He he keeps pointing things back to Beth. Yeah. He asks her if she's lonely, if she's okay. Because realistically, if it was the other way around, right? And he truly did have nothing to hide and there is nothing going on. She sounds bonkers. Yeah. Right? She really does sound unwell. Beth is asking him, like, why don't you have any photos of Flora anywhere if you're still together? Why is she living under an assumed name in the UK with Kevin Cater? Who are the impossible Thomas and Emily? Just what is going on? And as you say, Lewis is countering with, like, I don't know that this is all about me. This sounds like it might be about you. You flew all the way from England to come here and just accuse me of something you don't even appear to know what Mm -hmm. and to be fair beth doesn't really know what she's accusing him of no she really does sound like she's following some grand delusion she's having yeah beth is put a little off kilter by his turning the questioning around but that just makes her kind of switch tactics although it also came across as her very pointedly wanting to avoid engaging with that line of questioning oh of course because i think lewis by turning those questions around may have been hitting a little close to home for her you think? He he may have been landing some body blows there that oh, she yeah. doesn't want to deal with. So nope. She because again we've noted through the book that she's clearly got some hangups about aging mm-hmm. and about things changing in her life in a mm-hmm. way that she's uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. But uh, she kind of tries to to stop that line of questioning here by just going, Lewis, just give me any answer. Just tell me I saw Flora. Confirm at least that. And then that will be satisfactory. Although it won't, it it won't, won't. be. <laughs> we know it won't. Uh, but Lewis, again, is like, no, she's here in Florida. I can take you to her right now if you'd like. Beth isn't satisfied with that answer, though, because she's like, okay, well, she could be in Florida right now. But, like, I saw her in the UK a couple times, like, days ago. She could have flown back in that time. So that does not really prove anything to me. And the snowball gets a little bigger. So Lewis counters with, okay, well, what if you provided me with some exact dates and times for your sightings? Flora's a social butterfly here in Florida. So chances are she was out with someone at those times. I could probably find someone who could confirm she was here. And Beth is like, you could have paid anyone for an alibi. You're very rich. Also, why go to all the trouble of trying to dredge up people to confirm, oh yeah, she was at the tennis club at that time. 
if you're telling the truth. And Lewis is like, I'm willing to do that because we used to be good friends and I'm trying to satisfy your curiosity. Which is a nice thing to do, actually. Kind of. But it's also like in the context of what we know from later in the chapter. Yeah, he, oh, he, yeah. he has people who are willing to vouch for her whereabouts. Yeah. Despite the fact that she was in the UK. The protective icing on this cupcake of a lie is very thick. Yeah. That's a terrible metaphor. I'm sorry. Beth tells him about the impossible Thomas and Emily. And Lewis kind of seems legit at a loss by this, going so far as to say, like, you, you realize you sound unwell, right? Like, this sounds crazy. We've been saying that this whole book. Yeah. She disagrees with this, though. And she says, I think to you it sounds like I know too much. And to me it sounds like I know too little. And we could, like, sort this out right now. <laughs> if you just tell me what's going on. Lewis kind of starts to lose his temper when she's like, could I talk to the real Thomas and Emily? And he's like, no, I'm not going to take you to the OG Thomas and Emily. Just to back up Flora's story. Frankly, I'm getting worried and I'm not going to, like involve my kids in this and beth kind of at that juncture even admits eh, even if you did take me to talk to them you could also have bought them to give an alibi for flora because teenagers are infinitely viable i have two of my own <laughs> they're very easy to influence <laughs> we're, we're in for a good time when our kids get older uh she does continue to press though and asks who is chimpy and this is the point where lewis is just completely thrown yeah, he has no idea. I, I actually would go so far as to say that this is the question that throws him for the rest of the conversation. Because, like, it seems like he was prepared to deflect everything Beth had thrown at him. Yeah. And this came so out of left field that he was just left reeling. Yeah. He's like, I, burr, 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 nothing. Yeah, it does not compute. Right. And Beth believes him. She's like, you know what? Even if he's lying about everything else, spoiler alert, he's lying about everything else. This one has him legitimately confused. He has no idea what we're talking about here. Me neither. Yeah. Like, this whole chimpy line is a complete mystery to Lewis. Lewis at this juncture says, okay, listen, Beth, I will weather any accusation you have for me, but it, it, it makes me sad for you that, like, this is where you're at. Like, I am ashamed for you. That, this is just embarrassing that you've what gone That you've gone this far. And she says, basically, she's not going to be satisfied until he tells her what she wants to hear. And Lewis says, okay, well, then I guess we're done. Because nothing I say is going to satisfy you. Aha. And yet, but still. Well, Beth is a little suspicious by that here. Because she's like, you're not even the least bit curious about any of the stuff that I've been talking about. Like, you're not curious about the fact that Flora may have a doppelganger in the UK. You're not curious about the impossible Thomas and Emily. You could easily just even follow up on that. Because, like, call the Huntingdon police. Talk to PC Paul Pollard. He'll confirm that I at least spoke to him about it. And Lewis is like, whoa, hold the phone. You went to the police about this? And Beth walks up to the point of confirming, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about Flora and I'm concerned about the kids. Yeah. And so I went to the police. And to his credit, Lewis kind of is like, all right, that makes sense. That tracks. You think that I am controlling Flora's actions. Yes. This is where you have to look at it from Lewis's point of view. She has just given him the best ammunition. She has now told him the extent that she has gone to at home to get answers. Yep. He already knows she's come all the way to Florida. She's standing there in his office. She's basically presenting him with, these are all the reasons to think that I am truly mentally unwell. Kind of. And to be fair, he does use that ammunition against her, but it backfires on him spectacularly. Yes, it does. And we'll get to that in a moment. Beth here confides 
you know, I didn't see it at the time because I was so wrapped up in my own personal drama that I, I wasn't paying attention to it. But it seems to me like Flora was always kind of scared of you. She actually dredges up a memory from that last time that they visited. And she's like, I remember you ordering Flora out of the room so that no one could see her breastfeed because you were afraid someone would see her boobs. And I was so wrapped up in guilt over the photo that I just, I didn't really register at the time how messed up that was. And Lewis flat out denies this. He's like, why would I be in a twist over Flora's breasts? She sunbathes topless on beaches. You've been on vacation with us and seen that. People on every continent have seen her boobs. Why would I be jealous about them that one time in your house? Yeah. Why would I be weirded out about breastfeeding? And I, I buy that from him at this juncture. I don't know whether I buy it or not, to be honest, because this is sort of the first we've heard about it. It is, but I mean, why say you've been on vacation with us and you've seen Flora sunbathe topless, if that wasn't true, if she never had? That's that's a deep gaslight, if he's doing that, that right Yeah, now. that's true. So I kind of believe that this was him being pushed a little too far. I think <laughs> the accusation that he is abusing or manipulating flora is actually what pushes him to the brink here mm -hmm. of I breaking think, i think it actually is hurting his feelings i i legit believe that actually yeah. i the think the snowball that, is big enough now yeah beth brings up tilly and is like i know you were stalking tilly and lewis is like lady you're one to talk about stalking someone and then he goes too far and says flora's not afraid of me she is afraid of you she's not running away from me and and then, and and then like the, the whole scratches. conversation comes to an <laughs> yep. end. Yeah. And that's the twist. He's he went too far. He got riled up. Beth got under his skin and he and he said too much. Yeah, and he made a mistake and Beth caught it yeah. cuz she's sharp like a fox. And they both know it in that moment that the jig is up. Beth, yeah, Beth I imagine is triumphant they both just and Lewis and stare at each other. Well, Lewis literally sinks in his chair and Beth is clearly triumphant. And Lewis admits all right you did see flora the other day in huntingdon the other day and she did run away from you in the car park uh, he doesn't actually say that he confirms when beth asks him yeah. i should say through through a very subtle nod but yes yeah. he basically admits yes he does explain though look flora ran away from you because she wants you to leave her alone and your reaction to that was to start stalking her. So what did you expect we were going to do, Beth? Beth does ask, like, why would Flora run away from me? And Lewis is like, you know what? It's not my story to tell. I would be more comfortable if we invited Flora into the conversation at this juncture. Like, she needs to speak for herself in this moment. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little flummoxed by that. Beth is also a little flummoxed by that. And, and a, she's a little unsure about this. But Lewis is like, listen, you're clearly not going to stop until you get the answers you want. And you don't care about the cost. So let's just do this. And Beth is like, what do you mean the cost? And Lewis is like, listen, Flora has not been the same since Georgina died. And this tracks with what we heard from mm -hmm. Flora's parents. And it makes sense. Seeing you, Beth, is not going to help. But you clearly don't care about that. So let's do this. Let's rip off the Band-Aid and do this. Mm -hmm. Let's pick Let's pick at that scab till he bleeds again. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. He, he basically lays out, yeah, okay, I've been lying to you. I've been lying to you since you first got in touch with us. And it's because I've been trying to protect Flora. But it's not worked. Let's just get this all out in the open. So 
why don't you go ahead to your hotel? We'll, we'll catch up with you there in hour, hour and a half. I'll go pick up Flora, and we'll have this. We'll have the talk. And Beth is not a hundred percent about any of this. Number one, her first instinct is like he's going to take the break in this conversation to like collect Flora and the kids and bail on the country. Like he'll be out of here in an hour. Number two, she's also pretty convinced he's still lying, but he's just switched to a new tactic of trying to guilt her. Well, I can't deflect. So now I'm just going to make you feel like, oh, well now, all right. Now this is on you. You caught me, but this is on you. Are you sure you want to know? Because it's going to hurt everyone involved. And she's not entirely buying it. She also kind of latches on to an odd turn of phrase he had earlier in the conversation that she caught and we actually didn't bring up during this little synopsis but we'll bring it up here at one point he asks her if she's trying to get him locked up at her majesty's pleasure and it was such a an odd and specific thing to say right and it was something that he volunteered himself like she didn't prompt him for that but it stuck out at her, and apparently it's given her a bit of an aha moment. Though See, Lord I just knows, thought it was a saying that I didn't recognize. Yeah, me too. Like, And this might just be because we're two Canadians reading a book. Yeah, set over in the UK. Yeah, that we, we didn't get it. But certainly, it's something that has clued in Beth to something. And so she's like, I might be able to confirm something if I do some internet checking. So she agrees, all right, we'll take a little break. We'll reconvene at the Marriott. Yeah. But I'm not going to tell you where I'm staying. We will meet in the lobby. Yeah. She doesn't trust him. He doesn't entirely trust her. So it, it's the neutral ground meeting. Yes. We'll meet in the lobby. <laughs> they leave the office together. He heads to his car and drives off. She gets into her taxi. She does an internet search over her hunch, quote unquote. Yes. And apparently finds what she's looking for. Jinkies! But has no idea what it might mean. And we have even less idea what it yeah, might mean. We don't even know what she's searching for. All we know is that she's Googled something. Yeah, it's super vague. So, I mean, Yay, again, super vague. someone in the UK might have clued in on this, but this is a clue that unfortunately has gone over my head. Oh, and very much over my head, too. So let's let's talk a little more about this, because I still have a couple questions. As I do with every chapter in this book, apparently. I just have questions. We don't know what this this quote-unquote band-aid is that we're ripping off. Beth hasn't told us what the rift actually is between them. We know it's not money. We had a suspicion it was uh, envy. We guessed maybe that it was just hurt feelings. But based on what she was talking about with Lewis, it might still be something else entirely. And I don't know what it is. I haven't a clue. I haven't even a guess. I got nothing. I've just done a little bit of internet sleuthing of my own, uh, inspired by Beth as I was. And I looked up the term locked up at Her Majesty's pleasure. Yes, and what have you discovered? Someone Major? who is locked up at Her Majesty's pleasure, or detained at Her Majesty's pleasure, is for an indefinite length of time, generally for a serious offense, often based on a successful insanity defense, or if there is a great risk of reoffense, or for juvenile offenders. It is kind of a substitute for life sentencing for people who are not... Fully cognizant? Yeah, who are not necessarily fully cognizant of their actions. Okay. So, yeah. Hmm. So, it would be... The implication there is that Lewis is suggesting that she would have him locked up for being crazy. Yes. Huh. That spurs her into a hunch 
about something. About something, but super vague, and I have no idea. Yeah. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna spitball here. Okay. I'm gonna let's go into the conspiracy corner and take a look at our chicken board <laughs> with all the pictures and all the string and see if we can try to try to just like spitball some stuff here. Oh, I wish you luck. I've stumbled onto a major company conspiracy pack. How about that for stress? What the hell are you talking about? This company is being bled like a stuck pig, Mac, and I got a paper trail to prove it. Check this out. Take a look at this. So Beth is not convinced Georgina's dead, and Georgina would be a juvenile. Yep. She'd be 12 years old. Yep. She's not around. Is it possible that she is detained at Her Majesty's pleasure? Because she has done something. Something unspeakable that has resulted in her being sequestered away from society. Maybe. In a way that Lewis and Flora dare not speak of. But that doesn't supply any kind of reasoning or answers or explanations for anything. No, it does not. Except for perhaps the fact that they're trying to keep it secret and have lied about her being dead. Because they're trying to keep it on the DL that she's okay. done something. Except that that Except doesn't make sense because her grandparents say she died at like six months. At six months. You don't do something criminally insane at six months. No, that's true. That's what I mean. They've been hiding they've been hiding her death since she was a wee baby. Since she was a wee baby. So, like she couldn't have done something way back then. They they started the hiding prematurely, assuming that she's hidden. Assuming that she's hidden and that she is still alive as Beth suspects she might be. Mm -hmm. So then what if we turn that around and suggest that Flora is the one who is not well? Yeah, but Flora's not locked up. It would seem that she's not locked up. Well, because we've seen Lewis, her in at Lewis least just one confirmed, location. Lewis just confirmed that she was in England, and he's about to hopefully confirm that she's now with them in Florida. Yeah, she's not in jail anywhere. It's true, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she wasn't briefly locked up. I guess, but what does that matter now? Uh, well, because just because you've been locked up at Her Majesty's pleasure for an indefinite amount of time, that is just an indefinite amount of time. Mm. You could be released at some juncture. Yeah. So maybe Flora is. Maybe Flora's released on recognizance. Maybe she can only spend so long out of the country before she has to be back in the UK to meet with a parole officer or something. Okay, that still doesn't explain the kids. It doesn't explain Thomas and Emily, certainly. The impossible Thomas and Emily. Nope. So far, nothing has explained those. But if, again, if Flora's not well, she, like, there might be a reason why they've got two other kids who are Thomas and Emily all over again. Well, Lewis is generally living with the OG Thomas and Emily over in Florida. How does that explain that? What if what if Georgina's death wasn't an accident? You think Flora did it? What if Flora committed infanticide? Oh, that's horrible. It is. But it might explain why Lewis and Flora's relationship is strained. It might explain why Flora is spending time in the UK still, if she's out on essentially like some sort of parole arrangement, why she has to spend time in the UK. She's out under her husband's recognizance? Yeah. That's that when the she's, right word for it? Yeah, that's when she's spending time in Florida, but she has to return regularly. For all we know, Yanina's there as much to keep an eye on Flora as she is to keep an eye on the kids. If Flora's not well. I guess, but that still doesn't explain, doesn't explain why there are two more children. It doesn't wrap everything up neatly. Admittedly, it does not solve the mystery, but it is perhaps a clue. Like maybe Beth picked up on the on the strange turn of phrase, and that was enough to make us do a little bit of sleuthing and turn up what that actually means. So one would presume that it means something. Yes, maybe. 
I don't know anymore. I haven't the clue. Although I do have a question for you. Sure. Based on uh, Lewis's answers and reactions and the whole Flora being scared of Beth thing, do you think that Lewis is also scared of Beth? I think that Lewis is scared of Beth in that Beth has turned into an obsessive stalker. I believe that he's not being entirely dishonest when he's like, you're kind of concerning me over this. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's like double-sided. I think that he's concerned because she's pushing too far into business that she has no business being pushing into. And that he's also con generally concerned for her. Especially if he watched Flora unravel, him watching Beth unravel as well might be troubling to him. Yeah, well, he basically admits that everything he's done has been to protect Flora because Flora is scared of Beth. Beth well, doesn't necessarily if... believe that. No. She, I think, still thinks that Lewis is controlling Flora. And I wouldn't be surprised if Flora turns up to that talk. And Beth is like, wink twice if <laughs> you're if I need to call the police and get you away from Lewis right now. Like, I, I think she's going to suggest that Lewis is still controlling her in that conversation. I would not be surprised at all. Okay. Well, just, and Beth sort of plays with the idea that Lewis is going to grab Flora and run again. But the only reason he would do that is if they were both running scared, right? Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of something I read in another novel in my other book club. Uh, I'm not going to say the title because I don't want to reveal any spoilers. But a character in this novel had uh, blackout violence. Mm -hmm. Whenever she lost her temper, she would do horrible, violent things. But it was a complete blackout for her. She didn't remember doing terrible things. And it was this condition that she had, and it comes out sort of at the end that she had hurt people and done stuff because she didn't remember. And I can't help but wonder if maybe that apply, possibly applies to Beth. Like, is Beth really worth being afraid of and doesn't know it? Well, you'd think that maybe Dom or her kids would be aware of that if that was the case. Well, Dom's her been trying to talk her out of this from the beginning. But the kids have not. And you'd think that they That's would be true. they would be privy to to something like that if Beth had a dark abusive side that she was unaware of oh, fair that enough. that Zana and or Ben would know about it and would react accordingly. But Zana certainly, I mean, in a pinch, knew to go to her mother first, not her father. No, oh, fair enough. That's uh, true. And has been goading her on in this con in this in this whole investigation. investigation. Yeah. Dom admittedly has tried to warn her off a few times and some of his reactions have been a little cagey from time to time i even believe i mentioned that earlier on mm -hmm. that he seemed to like avoid a con like a, a conversation at one point so hard to say i had surmised early on that i didn't think that lewis was the problem part of this relationship and i'm still on that track nothing in this chapter has led me to believe that lewis is the monster that Beth has built him up to be over the course of this book. That's fair. Not to say that he's a great guy. <laughs> Dude's got issues, but he's not maybe not as bad as uh, yeah. as Beth thinks he is. And that maybe indeed Flora is the one she should be afraid of. At the end of this book, I'm going to go back through my notes and count the number of times I wrote why in my notes. Because I ask that question constantly. Constantly. I think one of the things that we enjoy about a good mystery novel is that, like, we get drip-fed clues throughout the novel, but it feels like you piece together parts of the puzzle as you go, and then at the end, the whole picture comes into into relief. <laughs> Not this one. Not this one. The, like, there is no part of this picture that, like, we're almost done this book, 
And there is no part of the picture that I can see so far with any degree of certainty. And that I can understand why last chapter you were saying you were frustrated with it because it, oh, yeah. it, it feels like we're continuing to get strung along, but we're no further into the mystery. We have, we're just constantly given more questions and no answers. Yeah. If this book were a jigsaw puzzle, all of the pieces would be the frame around the outside that doesn't actually show anything. And one big piece is the picture that goes in the middle. That's what it feels like. And we haven't been given that big piece. Yet. Nope. Although- part of part of the issue with that, though, is that we're not following a detective. And we established early on we're not following a completely reliable narrator. And a lot of the stuff that Beth has convinced herself must be true, we keep pointing out, is based on scant evidence. She jumps to a lot of conclusions. She really does. And so it's incredibly misleading. And so it's left us very late in the book wondering what the mystery even is. Yeah, that's true. We we know something weird happened. But we don't know why. We don't know the details of it. We don't why, know. Why, how, any of those. Yeah, we know very little of anything. So yeah, I can, again, I understand mm-hmm. why you're frustrated with this novel. Yeah, but that's okay. Because after reading this chapter, for the first time through this whole book, I genuinely feel like we're going to get some answers. However, Sophie Hanna has bait and switched us before on a couple chapters. It's true. Where a chapter ends with us going, oh, finally, and then the next chapter we get nothing. nothing. So we're going to have to wait and see. There's a little praise quote on the back of this book, if I may read it. Sure. From the New York Times. Hannah's plots are like intricate jigsaw puzzles whose pieces you cannot believe will fit together until you see the completed picture. The fun in reading Next to Die, which was her other book. Mm-hmm. Isn't in learning who done it, but in following the labyrinthine byways of its author's peculiar worldview and the twisted motives of her characters. And I think that's exactly what's happening in this book. That yes, it's all going to fit together, but she's not going to tell us how until the very end. Well, and I mean, there is a whole genre of video games which are built around frustration and release. Dark Souls being a very famous one for those of you who are familiar with video games for those of you who aren't that is a game where you are faced with seemingly impossible challenges and you are a steep learning curve a very steep learning curve and you are expected to kind of sink or swim on your own from very early on it's where the phrase get good comes from yeah and some of those challenges can as i say seem impossible and you can throw yourself at them again and again and again and constantly get beaten down and be incredibly frustrated, and then you do it. You overcome the challenge, and you get that relief, and you get that euphoria that comes from having done the impossible thing, and all that frustration melts away. And maybe that's the kind of plotter and writer that Sophie Hanna is. Yeah, maybe. So may, like, as frustrated as we have been with this novel so far, we're still invested in it. We want to see how it ends at this oh, yeah. juncture. And at the end, we might go, oh, and it might make all the frustration with the novel Makes sense. We get it now. And Yay. melt away. So we will have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This episode has been long to make up for a couple short ones, to Sorry. be fair. Oh, no. They were shorter chapters and not much happened to them. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot to discuss this chapter because we finally got from the the horse's mouth, Lewis Braid's answers. So, uh, yeah. Hopefully we'll get some from Flora's mouth. As we segue into chapter 21 of our novel, which you'll want to read up on in time for next week. Absolutely. Uh, In the meantime, there are numerous other podcasts. 
That was the statement. That was the whole statement. There are numerous other podcasts. Numerous other podcasts. Send tweet. Uh, uh, Certainly there are podcasts of every shape and size to fit every possible interest. And I'm going to read something about one of them. Yeah. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by World on Fire, a new podcast from CBC Edmonton. World on Fire is a new five-part series that takes you to the front lines of -of out-of-control wildfires in Canada, Australia, and California. Recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic, hosts Adrian Lamb and Mike Flanagan look at what it takes to find hope in the midst of fear and destruction and how communities affected by wildfires rebuild. The series examines the high costs that wildfires cause to people's health, homes, and communities. Find World on Fire on the CBC Listen app or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find it online at cbc.ca slash worldonfire. Topical news podcasts for those of you who are interested in the news of the day. Honestly, I might look into this one because I am looking for something to restore my faith in humanity. (laughs) The world is on fire and I would like to know that it can get better. It's also a reminder that there's more going on in the world than what's going on south of the Canadian border and uh, involving the pandemic. I mean, there are other things that we need to be paying attention to. Absolutely. Yeah. The world continues to spin. There are also a plethora of podcasts available right now on the Alberta Podcast Network website. It's albertapodcastnetwork.com. You can get a little sampler pack of uh, any number of topics. Society, news, culture. Play Topic Roulette. See what you get. Sure. That's There you go. Fonda, there's an idea <laughs> straight to you from us. Topic Roulette. Just a little button and it just randomly pops up with a podcast for you to check out. Certainly there's enough podcasts on the network at this juncture that oh. that would makes sense absolutely yeah um you can check all those out uh on the website or you can download them on your podcatcher of choice where uh, we are also featured and while you're there eh, you can give us a little rating review we'd appreciate that yeah that helps us out and if you've been enjoying what you've been hearing i mean we would we would love to to get a little bit of feedback from you absolutely uh you can do that online via social media as well yes the twitter the instagram the facebook's and the goods reads Sure, we're at the read along. <laughs> we're at the read along with most of those. Uh, we also have an email address. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. Yeah, and uh, with that said, as always, we'll see you next time. Cross your fingers for answers. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All read along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along and check out our group on Goodreads.com.